For June 16th, 2014, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 311. Dubious. Discuss. And we will. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. From Los Angeles, California, I'm Matt Rather, here with the fearsome threesome, the, the uh, gruesome threesome, no, gruesome twosome, fearsome foursome, but uh, what, what shall we call our threesome, uh, guys? The three amigos. That's a cough, loaded. Cough. <laughs> that's a loaded question. Uh, here to here to indulge in a threesome with uh, with the panel, uh, which is Pete Fenzel and Mark Lee. Guys, I'm glad you're you're here. We're glad to be here too. I know yeah, this um, this podcast is the opposite of ruined. Yeah, we're out of the time. <laughs> that is. Back in the action. <laughs> um, that's great. I, w- I was glad to see so much uh, so much good um, comments from our. Uh, from our on Twitter, especially from our uh, time loop episode, it's nice. You know, it's nice to do them. I, the last one we did was like twenty episodes uh, ago, which is what five months. So I think every you know every four or five months to do something that breaks the form. I think we're the only podcast that I know that is that is doing something like that. That really takes a literary device or a, a, a uh, you know a TV trope if you will, and uh, structures the podcast around it. So um, I'm glad we were doing it. It was fun to do with you guys. But we're, yeah. back, we're, back for another, uh, we're back for another normal episode where we talk to each other about nothing in particular. <laughs> uh, but Are you be- happy now, people who didn't like the, uh, the experimental episode? Are you not entertained? And for people who were curious, I wasn't really actually that upset. I was pretending through the magic of acting. That I was mad at everybody for being in the time loop, but I was not. I was enjoying myself a great deal. So thank you for your concern about my well-being. It's appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. Pete was really upset, and we've spent uh, we've spent the whole week in in podcast therapy, in you know in in couples that not couples in threesomes therapy, <laughs> which is exponentially more. Uh, whenever you add a, p- a person to a, a relationship, it's exponentially. It doesn't scale linearly. It scales or geometrically. It scales exponentially uh, with the number of people uh, who are involved in the relationship. Um, and uh, and you have to pay your you have to pay your shrink exponentially more uh, as well. So. Um, I, for all all you polyamorous out there, um, just just budget for it. You know, I'm I'm just saying make uh, make smart financial assumptions um, based on the uh, based on the exponential uh, complexity of the relationship that you're in. All right, question of the week time. Um, it is Pride Week or Pride Month or Pride uh, uh, season. You know, and uh, my my Facebook feed is blown up with awesome pictures of people at uh, pride parades, gay pride parades, uh, LGBTQ pride parades. Um, And it's it's really cool. Uh, But we decided here at Overthinking It, uh, we're not going to celebrate Pride Week. We're going to celebrate Hubris Week. We're going to uh, celebrate our hubris for surely we are the greatest podcast of them all. Surely our podcast will stand forever uh, like, uh, like a, mighty, a mighty monument to all, all the ages. Um, so to celebrate the, uh, the tragic flaw that is our hubris, um, 
what are we going to do to celebrate? Guys, what are you going to do to celebrate Hubris Week? That's your, that's your question of the week. I don't know. Pete Fenzel, you're first in the alphabet, so, so I'm going to drink. What are you going to do? I don't know. Pete, do you think I teed that up well? I think you did a spectacular job, and I... Surely I am the greatest podcast host of all time, excepting only the times when I am absent, and you are the podcast host. Uh, surely I do accept your great praise in the, in the gravity and immensity of my own performances, which are second only to your own, as you so host eternally this podcast, which will run forever and ever. Uh, the episode's increasingly getting better and better, and us increasingly getting younger and more attractive the longer that we do this. Past returns do guarantee future results. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! For verily, for verily, my hairline is preceding. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so um, I think for Hubris Week, I'm going to indulge myself in a little bit of Jeopardy. And you know why I'm going to indulge myself in some Jeopardy, Mr. Rather? Of course you know, but you're not saying out of courtesy to me. Uh, it's uh, because Alex Trebek was named this week the longest-running game show host by the Guinness Book of World Records, which means because Alex Trebek will never die and will host Jeopardy forever and clasps it in his silvery grip, that means that, uh, that basically the best is here. The best has arrived. The good days are, the halcyon days are upon us, and I will participate in them by bringing my own excellence into the, uh, the Merv Griffin Studios to watch, uh, to watch Alex Trebek do his thing as he will always be doing and has always been doing. Viva la Alex Trebek. <laughs> May he live forever, untouched Ever, by the hand of time or of mortality. There was a prophecy that Alex Trebek was going to be the greatest game show host in the world, but that he was also going to kill his announcer. So when he was born, he was pronged between the feet with a microphone and left out on the Sony Pictures lot, right, to be exposed to the elements. But he was rescued by a young Rob Roddy, uh, who, of course, uh, tragically died when Alex Trebek uh, accidentally hit him with his Kia Soul. No, that's not what happened. Uh, that would be a terrible, tragic flaw. Uh, and no, he no, said, no, no. and then he he called out to himself, "Alas, how terrible is wisdom when it brings no profit to the man who is wise." Uh, this I knew well, but had forgotten it. Else, I would not have come here. And then he hit himself in the head because he forgot to phrase uh, his <laughs> apostrophe in the form of a question. He's going to say, "Like, what is alas? What is wisdom?" Right? Like, uh, and so on and so forth. <laughs> So, yes. So I definitely celebrate the smartest man in the universe, the smartest man in the world, Alex Trebek, on this hubris week, uh, which, which I think I endeavor upon with great glee and satisfaction. Far, far be it from me, Pete, to quibble with your uh, proclamation that Alex Trebek is, is not only the longest serving, but also the greatest game show host uh, that um, humankind has yet produced. But I, but yea, verily, I have seen a little show called Overthinking at Pop Fixers, <laughs> a little game show which you host. And I say that uh, you give Alex Trebek a, a run for his money. Time, which sees all things, has found you out. Well, I do say that 
no fewer than three people give Alex Trebek a run for his money on any given evening. So I am but one of many in that instance. <laughs> oh, excellent. Uh, Mark Lee, you are next in the alphabet. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. You don't want to know why? Because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants who have come before me. <laughs> Matt Rather, by opening the show, the greatest podcast host of all time, followed by Pete Fenzel, the greatest podcaster. The greatest answer of the question of the week of all time. I stand upon these towering shoulders. My, my, I'm so high up in, in the stratosphere. And it, it gives me such great view of the international uh, landscape that I have a great idea. Uh, you know, here's what we should do. We should, um, if, to celebrate Hubris Week, we should invade a foreign country. And after that, with a little <laughs> bit, with little foresight and a poor plan, we should invade another country <laughs> with little foresight and poor plan. For stabilizing the country. And then we should let that country totter to pieces. And then we should surge and bring that country back from the brink with a great strategy. And then we should leave because we did such a great job. Oh, what's that? Oh, oh, we already did that. Mark, your hubris. Get your hubris. You're losing your hubris, Mark. You're losing your hubris. And and what's that? The the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria as as overrun half of Syria and Iraq now? Not the good half. <laughs> anyway. Oh, well, that's success. <laughs> we have done a fine job. I, I see. So you're you're declaring victory. You're saying you're saying, it, as it were, mission accomplished. We have uh, accomplished that mission and many others, and we shall accomplish other missions going forward. Yeah, All but, I'm saying is the greatest failure of Icarus is an insufficiently engineered wax. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, that's well. Uh, Are you okay, Matt? Matt, no, Matt? I'm sorry. That was that was too soon, right? I mean, no, yeah. I was, I was I, just. I, I was just thinking. Right? I was. That's I was. A, we actually did. You know, the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria is in fact overrunning half of Iraq and Syria. I was about to. I, yeah, I was. I was trying to formulate my thoughts. Uh, that what I what I the instructions that I wanted to give to our to whoever might feel like dropping a comment in the show notes about, about that joke. <laughs> Matt, um, you can't. Boils not to lose. You have to play to win in the podcast game. Feelings will get hurt. We we have only the best intentions. We know this. Right? It, bo- it boils down to don't. <laughs> it boils down to don't. Um, yes, you're right. You're right. You can't play not to lose. That is that is a wise thing. The wisest thing, in fact. Unless sometimes in the World Cup, though, you can play not to lose. <laughs> but you have to be ahead, and that's the problem. <laughs> No, you don't have to be ahead. You just play for a tie, right? Does that happen all the time in World Cup? Yeah, yeah. Although, yeah, but if you're behind, playing for a tie is tough. Right, yeah. You should answer the question. It's indistinguishable. Like, is is playing for a tie really distinguishable from playing to win if if you're trailing? Uh, Because you, in in either case, you're trying to score uh, what I believe are known as offensive points. Was was my inflection clear that I was making scare quotes with my hand in the air? Air quotes, scare quotes. Uh, it has never been points. clear, Matt. <laughs> you know, it is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine when people act as if fondness for sports is like an absurd niche interest and not something that a lot of people are really sincere about. When it's like, oh, sports, right. This th- weird thing that only weird people like is sports. Um, I don't know. Is that is that hubraic? That's not hubris. That's our, I guess that's. Uh, I don't even know what Greek sin I just committed by saying that. I guess no. Like, what, I, what what I think, Pete, is that I'm not I'm not calling out sports as a weird thing. I'm calling out my utter lack of knowledge of all all things having to do with the the great National Sportsball Association League. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't think that's 
what you're actually doing, though. I think you're you're making fun of FIFA, which deserves it because it's a den of a wretched hive of scum and villainy. But you have to answer the hubris question. I, I think, guys, we might we might have bitten off more than we could chew with the hubris question. <laughs> <laughs> it might never, not have been never, the best. No. We might have been a little bit too confident in our ability to execute on this question. No. You're right, Fenzel. Then my answer, sir, is this. Oh, whoa. Oh, whoa. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I let this pernicious hour stand a accursed in the calendar. Sorry, a wrong, wrong flavor of tragedy there. Um, uh, never honor the gods in one breath and take the gods for fools the next. We have been undone by our own question of the week. Lo, here on my desk, there is a paperclip, and I take it up now. Oh, eyes, why should you see light that have shown me nothing but darkness? To answer the question of the week, I now blind myself. Oh! Oh! You! <laughs> you! Well, we're not singing... We're not singing Soldier Boy, are we? We're stabbing ourselves in the face with paper clips. <laughs> Given the choice. <laughs> Add a piss up in this show. <laughs> Watch me blind myself. Uh, all right. Um, so, uh, so let the, give, give me a life wherever there is an opportunity to live. Give me a podcast wherever there is an opportunity to podcast. Uh and uh, I, for one, prize less the name of king than deeds of kingly power. Uh, and, so, and so would all who learn in wisdom's school. And I think we've all learned in wisdom school from this, from this question of the week, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, I think it was kind of inspired by a general vibe in the pop culture flow this week. You know, we were sort of looking through stuff that happened and find, found a lot of kind of huge accolades and huge aspirations, which I guess is often the case. But it kind of stuck out at us. It's like, this is a week where a lot of people are being really proud about stuff. Uh, like, to a, a degree that might be a little bit over the top, perhaps, maybe. I don't know. Uh, so definitely not meant to belittle Pride Week, which is awesome and great and happens in different weeks depending upon the city, <laughs> from what I've been told. Um, but yeah, but more in fact to sort of express this stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Because uh, yeah, because Alex Trebek was one of them. I mean, should we just jump through? Should we like a lightning round or, or fire yeah, round? I, th- I, think we have a lot of, I think we have a lot of things on the docket tonight. So let's, yeah. we could do just a rapid fire thing where we set a timer <laughs> for 12 minutes per topic. Uh, <laughs> Twelve minutes. That's that's lightning, like the name of a, of a tortoise. Like, you a lightning bolt in the back of a turtle. I like this yeah. idea. It's like an oven timer. You, when the when the when the sound goes off, you just yank it out of there, regardless <laughs> of the condition it's in. The Twelve minutes for us, Pete, though, is like we barely begin. To, we barely have begun the prolegomenon by that by that point. Um, well, yeah, Alex people Trebek. Who, people want time to pass this week because they didn't like it when time didn't pass last week. So we're going to change what it. I, I have a completely different orientation you, you, than you did. I thought that that you know you can't you can't podcast not to lose. P- you have to <laughs> podcast to win. And, yeah, no, I mean, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, I don't know. On Twitter, everyone was a fan. On on Facebook, everyone Listen, was like, "Yeah, well, look, okay, there's different orientations." To this podcast, right? But hey, it's Pride Week. We can um, celebrate and accommodate them all, right? You know, <laughs> we can, Anyone? We Come can on, celebrate man. a great a great diversity of podcasts. And I, I mean, I, I have to say, not to not to suffer too much from from the hubris that has just blinded me. Um, 
But like, uh, I hope I hope that if you are a listener uh, of this show, you've been with us for for a while now, perhaps. And like, you know, you're you're in it for the ups and the downs, right? Like, if the, if there's a week that is that is not totally your your cup of tea, I you know, I hope you stay with it because we're we are sort of a community, and that's one of the coolest things about this site that we're this sort of global community of overthinkers. And 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 my point is, if you didn't like the time loop episode, you you've been with us through much worse than that so (laughs) let's uh you know let's all keep a little let's all keep a little perspective and if you did like i think think chevrolet has said that to people at some point (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think gm right yeah their their gm is recalling ignition switches right um so i i think the thing that that is interesting uh about what you said about alex trebek is that he was named the uh longest serving podcast host i i would have put that different game show host game show host (laughs) I don't know that Jeopardy must be somewhere in downloadable form. So, so I suppose you could call it a podcast. I mean, in a way, all television is podcasts because I get it on the internet. Um, but the the uh, the um, you know the way I would have put it is that he became the longest running uh, or the longest serving or the most episode serving. Game show host. So, uh, right. So in what sense, I mean, in what sense was he, was he named? I feel like you're named to a position that is essentially arbitrary. That is to say the product of arbitration. Um, and, and you become or earn the, you know, a title that, that is sort of factually based. I don't know. Did, was Alex Trebek just named the longest serving, uh, game show host or, or did he become the longest serving game show host. Well, it's interesting because the article that I read, which was in contactmusic.com, uh, which it said... It's not <laughs> it, sounds like, it sounds like an extremely reputable website. Oh, yeah, clearly. Well, they said that ABC News reported that he had, he had been named the longest-running host of a television game show by the Guinness Book of World Records. And now this... And if you go to the ABC News uh, site, ABC News says Jeopardy host Alex Trebek breaks game show record. And this outlines a somewhat interesting kind of taxonomy of knowledge or what have you, right? This idea that, uh, that in the general media sphere, right, if you're, kind of, if you're making an assertion, if you, if you are going about in your regular everyday conversation and you make an assertion, there is an underlying question about what is the basis for that assertion, right? It's like, well, why are you saying that? Um, and, of course, on the Internet, nobody trusts anybody else because everybody is actually a uh, – everyone is a GM executive trying to fool you by pretending to be a 15-year-old who hates Tesla, right? He's like, it's actually a VP, a G- GM executive. No, it's a, like we don't trust people on the Internet, and people on the Internet are irrational and angry and have their own agendas, and the goodwill of discourse is, is very broken down except on overthinking it, which is awesome. Um, we're the, the shining beacon of hope. Wait, we finished that whole thing. Okay, we're moving on. But the idea is that this article doesn't really care. Like, in the context of this article, whether or not Alex Trebek is actually the longest-running game show host isn't something that can be discursively asserted. Because this article does not deal in actualities. This, this publication doesn't deal in actualities. This publication appears to deal in the relation of discourses of power with identification of sources and identification <laughs> of authorities. It's like, it's all appeal to authority, right? I mean, I'm going to go, let me see if I can find, it's also all just, what it also means from a more basic perspective, from a more kind of utilitarian or, or pragmatic, pragmatic is the word I'm looking for, practical perspective, it just means that they're just reading a bunch of press releases and putting them on the internet, right? 
Um, so it's like, if I read the, I'm like clicking on their article about Jack White, who we might talk about later because he's got a tour this summer. Uh, modern music legend Jack White is back with his second solo album, Lazaretto, following up 2012's Blunderbuss. Uh, and this reads exactly like a press release written by Jack White's publicist. <laughs> like, it doesn't, do they really think that, you know, Jack White is a music legend? Is that something that they really believe really firmly? He's a little young. I mean, I guess, maybe. Um, the first, he describes the songs as incredible, they, they describe the songs as incredibly danceable. Would You Fight For My Love takes a slight return to the strange with spaghetti western guitar bands that tie in well with an emotional piano-led ballad. Like, this isn't even a... I guess it's a review, but it's just like... I don't believe that these people actually believe anything that they're saying. Uh, or, or, <laughs> <laughs> well, right, that's, that's the... I mean, because then it's bullshit, right? In the Harry Frankfurt definition of, of bullshit, right? It's spe- No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think, it's, I don't think it is. Uh, well, but anyway, g- continue. Give, you, give a, you know, we should probably give a, uh, a little orientation to, uh, to, to what bullshit... Of the, of the chili peppers, by the oh, way. Oh, no, it's... Well, I don't know. I, I've always thought that, that as opposed to the S word, which you can say oh. once and maintain your, your PG-13 rating, I, I once heard Harry Frankfurt interviewed on The Daily Show, and the word bullshit was not beeped, whereas the S word would have been. Um, so, uh, so, okay, bull pucky. Um, but, uh, but can you, can you explain what bull, what bull poop is, uh, uh, to, to people who might not be familiar with that, uh, small monograph, uh, on bull poop? Yeah, sure. This is a, it's a guy who was a, uh, professor emeritus in Princeton. He's taught at Yale and at Rockefeller University. He came out with a book, uh, back in what, like 1986, which got trotted around. It got, it got published in 2005 and made the rounds. But the idea is... Um, people make a claim when they speak to being true or false, right? They're invested in, in being either right or being wrong. And he distinguishes between telling the truth and lying in the sense that you, when you're lying, you're deliberately saying something that's false. Or, right? that, or that, you believed, that you believe to be false. That you believe to be false. Sorry. I mean, both that's, in, that's what underlines all of this is what does the speaker believe about what they're saying? But the, right? the thing that undergirds, sorry, Pete, I'm stomping on oh, no, you, go but I'm, I'm going to go. The thing that undergirds both telling the truth and lying is that you know or you believe that you know what is actually true and you either say that or something other than that, uh, but still you have recourse to this to this idea of something that you believe to be true. Right. And the idea is that a bull pooper, a, a bullshitter, as it were, is not concerned with a notion of whether what they're saying is true or not. That does not mean that they are necessarily lying. It means that they will say whatever they have to say to take to, to, to gain their own advantage from it. And this right? is, I mean, we all, it, it was so, it was like the right book at the right time, but it's really the right book at every time, right? Because yeah. like, we all know this person or, yeah. or several of this, this, this people, right? We all have them in our families and among our friends and we all went to school with them and we all grew up with them in our neighborhood, right? right. The, right. The, 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 the bullshitter. But then how is this not, because like my, my feeling is that um, a lot of these websites will wrap really the business of that is to wrap something in ads right it's sort of like the business of buzzfeed or upworthy or any of these sort of content content farm type type sites is to get get content from the lowest cost uh sources as possible whether it's you know jack white's publicist or uh you know taking a uh an abc news report and just putting it in quotation marks and doing your quote-unquote writing that way um 
and uh, and wrapping them in ads, right? Because if you if you look at these things, uh, very often the page will be super engineered to have a lot of ad impressions, uh, to be super intrusive. Um, very often they drop all kinds of like tracking things on into your browser, uh, you know, for money. And so this, I I think that this is bullpucky. Um, because the speech is being offered without recourse to an idea of truth, right? That is to say the actual aims of offering the speech are ulterior to, uh, are ulterior to any idea of, of truth or falsehood. Right. And I would say that the interactions with truth or falsehood in this case, I can see two of them. One of them is that the article... One of the one of the facts about these kinds of sites is that they don't have the they don't pay for the resources for people to actually fact check things, right? They don't have actual reporters. It's all aggregation and distribution. So saying something like ABC News reports that the Guinness Book of World Records has named Alice Trebek the longest running game show host, this absolves them the the site Contact Music, which I don't know why Contact Music is reporting on Alice Trebek, but uh, it absolves them of responsibility for whether the claim by ABC News is true, right? So sort of by but if you're saying something and you don't know whether or not what you're saying is true, and you say, well, this is what somebody else said, and you sort of couch it like that, you hedge it like that. For me, that does show that in that discourse is some concern for truth because you're concerned about the risk that you might be accidentally lying and you're protecting yourself from the consequences of accidentally lying, right? So, like, that's one way in which this kind of reporting has a relationship with truth. Uh, and it's also anything where you read, like, the word likely or the word might or maybe when a, when a page is making a normative claim and really doesn't know whether it's true or not or doesn't want to be held accountable for whether it's false, if they couch it, then I feel like there is at least some relationship with this idea of truth in what they're saying and this idea that they might potentially be lying. Uh, The other aspect of it is that if the only truth you know is appeal to authority raises an interesting question. Right. If like if you're in a black box, like this is like an interesting philosophical thought experiment. Like, you know, the uh, the the United States government, there's an outer limits episode like this, which is really good, where the government, the five governments of the world, uh, I think, sequester five individual people each in a bunker. And those bunkers all have access to a nuclear stockpile that will destroy the planet. I think we might have talked about this episode previously on uh on overthinking it on the podcast. And, uh, but these people are then cut off from the rest of the world. Uh, the idea being that if aliens invade the Earth then, and they exterminate humanity, uh, these people will be a failsafe that will push the button and destroy the surface of the planet so that the aliens can't survive and that this will somehow afford some sort of advantage to people, which is unclear. And then the episode goes through, it proceeds on this idea that the aliens are kind of body snatchers and some of the people who are relaying information to the people have been taken over by the aliens and some of them might not have been. So it's hard for them to know when they're inside the box what's happening on the outside. So if you live inside of this box and you have no way of knowing what's happening outside your box other than what people tell you, then isn't appealing to the authority of the – what is the function in terms of your heuristic, right, in terms of your problem-solving methodology, in terms of your way of knowing things, your way of answering questions, your way of making assertions? What is it like to cite a source, Right? You know, is everybody who, who sort of cites a bibliographical source bullshitting you because they're not taking responsibility for the thing that they said? Right? If, if you write something in a paper and you say that, like, you know, well, you know, uh, you know, Stanley Fish in the article in The Stone for the New York Times says this about consciousness in computers, and that's his argument. Um, are, you, are you relating 
through that citation, are you softening or hardening your own relationship with the truth or falseness of that statement? Yeah, that's, right? I mean, that's interesting. I mean, this is why people for a, a, lot, of t- uh, a lot of the time, don't, and I mean people, that's a straw man, but, you know, those straw people out there um, don't, uh, <laughs> don't understand academic discourse a lot of the time, right? Because, because uh, a lot of the time it's um, – uh, the academic discourse drink is aimed at establishing internal consistency, right, in academic discourse uh, among the various among the various contention uh, various um, contentions uh, made in uh, you know in in the field, rather than uh, something that's something that's actually true or that that has a you know uh, the, an analog in the world that uh, and you might see in your you might see in your everyday life. Um, I'm reminded of of uh Philosophy, my first philosophy class as a freshman in college, which I did not do at all well in. Um, my first grade was, I think, like a D. Uh, I, I didn't sort of understand uh, the philosophical discourse uh, going into it. Um, but it was that, uh, it was the, the distinction between validity of an argument and soundness uh, of an argument, right? And it, it, if you live in the box, and we all, we all live in a box, like to, to in, in a way, we all live in, in various kinds of boxes um, at different times and, and uh, in different circumstances. Um, if you live the lucky in bo- ones have pineapples <laughs> under the sea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the. Um, you know, if if you live in a box, uh, internal consistency really is all the the is the best that you can hope for. But if you you know if you sort of zoom out a little bit from your box, you realize that internal consistency inside the box is um, uh, really sort of worthless from any from any higher level of abstraction than you know the level of abstract the set of levels of abstraction which can be contained by the box and um that's that's why i shrug when people call anyone a hypocrite uh and then i found five dollars good story man it is well it's interesting that you bring this up in the context of the guinness book of world records right because the guinness book of world records is discursively developed against the backdrop of conversations that happen in bars Right, which is precisely the environment that you're describing, right? Like everybody puts themselves in a box, drinks a bunch of Guinness, and then talks about who can joggle the farthest, right? Like who can who can like do the most hula hooping, who had the longest fingernails, and, and this idea of internal consistency and internal verification, you know, that it is it is baked into this notion of kind of communal knowledge as well, which is something that is found kind of attractive, not just in academic circles, but in kind of drinking circles and in social groups. You know, what is it that this social group tends to believe independently of other social groups? You know, different groups might have different opinions on who the best joggler is. And then Guinness has to go out and distinguish and make the, make the decision, I suppose. Uh, Although I don't think the Pat Sajak people are, like, cracking down on the Alex Trebek people over this one. Yeah, this was so, content. I mean, actually, speaking of, right, like, speaking of gathering a lot of, of, of cheap content and slapping a logo on it, right? Like the Guinness Book of World Records. Though at this point, I don't think it's cheap content anymore. I mean, I think they... they spend a lot of time uh and effort um verifying the things in the uh in the in the guinness book of world records though it is it is great it is sort of early content marketing before content marketing was a thing right yes (laughs) isn't it Uh, oh speaking of which um i'm gonna put betteridge's law of uh headlines uh in the um 
Show notes. Betteridge's law of headlines is an adage that states any headline which ends in a question mark can be answered by the word no. Yes. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> Where are we on the 12-minute clock and Alex Trebek? <laughs> All right. Ding. Moving, uh, <laughs> moving uh, right along. That was so much for Alex Trebek. <laughs> we, we can Wait, Mark, sign- Mark, did you want to weigh in on Alex Trebek? Just one. Ah, crap, I just hit on there. This one's good thing. Since you gave me the opening, I will take it. Um, I mean, it, it, it just the thought occurred to me, like, um, you know, the act of measuring something and, and, and quantifying is, it, it's, it's worth remembering that that is a, a separate thing from the act of making it. In other words, like, you know, just in the context of producing a game show, no one is actually sitting there and counting the episodes. Uh, that's not a required part of, uh, of making them. Right. I mean, like if we just had forgotten to number these podcasts as we went along, we'd have to, we'd like uh, it would be constantly flailing about in the dark every time we tried to figure out how many podcasts we'd done. Um, all that is to say does not minimize the uh, contribution that Guinness uh, uh, does in, in this particular field of, of memorializing Alex Trebek's, Alex Trebek's accomplishment. So cheers to you, Guinness. Got to count stuff. It matters. Angelina Jolie has been named an honorary <laughs> dame by. <laughs> wait, wait to add that. Wait to put that into the pregnant pause, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> by uh, by Queen Elizabeth, and I, and I understand that her Wikipedia page has already has already been altered. Uh, is it, uh, let's throw things over to Pete Fenzler, a Wikipedia correspondent, uh, who is <laughs> who is standing by at the Guinness Book of World Wikipedia's uh, to uh, to report on this. Pete, uh, report please on what Wikipedia is reporting. Sure. So Wikipedia is listing at the beginning of the Angelina Jolie article that uh, it lists Angelina Jolie, comma, DCMG. And only then does it offer the phonetic and uh, uh, spelling, uh, phonetic, phonetic pronunciation of her name and uh, her age and whatnot, her date of birth. Uh, DCMG being the most distinguished order of St. Michael and St. George, which was imparted upon Miss Angelina, Mrs. Mrs. Angelina Jolie. I don't even know. Can I ask you, Matt, what the word nay as referred to people who have different last names? How do you apply it properly? Well, it's, you know it's a French, it's a past participle. It means born. So, oh, so if Angelina Jolie had changed her name to Angelina Pitt, right? She oh, but she's be... Angelina Jolie, nay Angelina Voigt. I suppose she was born Angelina Jolie Voigt. She refers to herself as Angelina Jolie because her father wasn't around when she was younger, or she didn't want to be associated with him, or what have you. Uh, and then later on, and now she's married Brad Pitt, but she didn't change her name. So she's Dame Angelina Jolie, nay Voigt. But she would not refer to herself as such. Um, okay, great. So the Order of St. Michael and St. George is awarded to, and I'm quoting Wikipedia here. Uh, by the way, this is, this is cited with a citation, dubious discuss, uh, and we will. So the Order of St. Michael and St. George <laughs> is awarded to men and women who render extraordinary or important non-military service in a foreign country. It can be confirmed for important or loyal service in relation to foreign and commonwealth affairs. Uh, and so, yeah, it's... Um, the, sovereign, the British sovereign is the sovereign of the order and appoints all other members of the order. The next most senior member is the Grand Master. Uh, the office was formerly filled by the Lord High Commissioner of the Ionian Islands. Wow. The Ionian Islands, of course, being in Greece. Um, however, Grand Masters are chosen by the sovereign. Uh, the current Grand Master is the Duke of Kent, His Royal Highness the Duke of Kent, also known as Prince Edward, who is uh, the Queen's husband, right? 
or no, that's not. Is that? I'm getting this wrong. No, it's not the Queen's husband. It's uh, the the husband of Catherine Worsley. Why is he British monarchy? I mean, British royalty confuses me so much. Why is he an HRH? He's the grandchild of King George V and Queen Mary. That's why. Okay, good. So, so Angelina Jolie for humanitarian work has been awarded uh, this non-military order by the British Commonwealth, and and I suppose. Uh, you could say the British Empire, but not particularly. An order of chivalry. Uh, and this, this, this allows her to do certain things. She gets certain privileges and certain rights. Uh, she's a dame. Um, let's see. If she, her husband... But she can't, she can't be referred to, uh, to as that in the United States. So actually, this whole podcast is contraband. Because <laughs> it's in the Constitution. <laughs> yeah, right? we, can't, we can't hold hereditary titles. Yeah, well, no, this isn't, is this a hereditary title? No, I suppose it's not a hereditary title, but we can't hold fancy titles. (laughs) Fancy titles are banned (laughs) in the Constitution. Oh, man. So if, so if Brad Pitt were made a a knight of the Order of St. Michael, then Angelina Jolie would be Lady Jolie, right? But be, but because Angelina Jolie is a dame, Brad Pitt gets nothing. He is nothing. Uh, he does not get a special prefix or suffix to his name because she is in uh, the order. She gets the, the most exciting part of this is that she gets heraldic supporters, which is pretty exciting, I, right? Which is which is uh, you guys know about this stuff, right? No, I don't. Please, if you can't if you can't be a, if you can't be a herald, be a heraldic supporter. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not prideful, but I am an ally. Um, <laughs> I don't have hubris, but I am an ally of such. Uh, but yeah, no, but the supporters are like the animals on the side of the coat of arms, uh, right? And so like, like when, when uh, the coat of arms of the, United, the Great Seal of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and all that stuff, how there's like a – there's a lion on one side and a unicorn on the other. The unicorn's for Scotland. The lion is for England. The supporters, uh, you get those. So Angel- basically what I'm saying is that Angelina Jolie could set up her own like Game of Thrones style house at this point where she could like pick an animal. And put an animal on her crest, uh, and she could put a circlet uh, on top of the, her uh, coat of arms, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, can, can we talk about co- coats of arms? Yeah, yeah, for a minute course. here, like because I, uh, uh, yeah. I remember um, uh, once like, uh, hearing about the design process of these. Right? And is there some sort of um, uh, authoritative body that approves the design of these things? So that uh, someone doesn't put like a, a rat and the the corpse of a vulture on the side of it, or some other sort of hideous being as an animal. Like, is there um, some office somewhere in um, in Buckingham Palace where somebody is reviewing and giving comments on designs of of heralds and their uh, animals? There is, so, so that Glenn Danzig can't like buy a manor somewhere and then like put a giant skull flag on top of it, which is really unfortunate. Um, so it varies by country. In the United Kingdom, it is the College of Arms. Or Herald's College, which is a royal corporation, which is uh, which is run by the Garter Principal King of Arms of the Gallo Seriously? British tradition. God, yes. Can't make this stuff up. His name is Thomas Woodcock, CVO, and CVO stands for Royal Victorian Order. <laughs> Guys, there's still a King of Jerusalem. I don't know if you, you ever guys ever cruise Wikipedia for this stuff. It's really it's really fascinating. Um, like if you if you look at the uh, 
the just to jump the Wikipedia page for the King of Jerusalem, the supreme ruler of the Crusader states, right? Which of course ceased to exist in the 13th century, uh, but there are still people who like carry the claims to it now. Uh, like Juan Carlos, the King of Spain, would potentially be King of Jerusalem, which is pretty nuts. Uh, Victor was it? Uh, Victor Emmanuel was. Um, but yeah, it's just these guys just like hanging out in suits and stuff. They're like, oh yeah, you know, I do. What do you do? Well, I water, I wakeboard. I like wakeboarding, and I'm the king of Jerusalem, which is pretty ridiculous. Uh, but no, no, this stuff is there's heraldic colleges. I think uh, what in Scotland is the court of the Lord Leon, headed yeah. by the Lord Leon, right? You know about that, uh, Matt? I do. Well, yes, I do because uh, I fall down the rat hole uh, on heraldry in Wikipedia just as often as you do. It sounds like. I think if, if you the, – the, there are we live among you, right? Those of us who are out there in the world and who fall down the rat hole of heraldry on Wikipedia, sound off in the comments on this podcast and let us know that you've also scrolled through all the various animals and, and like the crown of the crown of St. Stephen of Hungary with the little cross on top that's been bent 45 degrees and thus is portrayed as such in all of the different depictions of it. Um, I love the idea that the crown of Hungary is the thing that actually possesses the land and it's just like – like the person doesn't, but no, no, no. But yeah, so you're you're familiar with the the Lion Court or the Lyon Court, the Lyon Office in the the College of Heraldry in Scotland. Yes, I be, I believe in new uh, what uh, Lord of Lyon or what Dean of the College of Heraldry or something like that. I believe a, a new one was recently appointed, which is why I uh, happen to know it because I follow the uh, all the social media accounts of the British monarchy and. and <laughs> <laughs> Can you list them in the show notes? Like all social media, like the Twitter feeds for the various offices of the. Oh yeah, I mean, there's a there's a Facebook page. They're on Twitter. They're on Instagram. Instagram is great because their their pictures are second to none. Uh, the, the White House, the official White House photographer, has nothing uh, on the Queen of England. Uh, long may she reign. So let's, uh, yeah, let's do that. So I'm looking at this this ad, the, the, uh, this ad, this ad in the form of a web page that we got linked to from uh, Google News. Um, I'm going to put put a link to the show notes uh, from Jezebel about uh, Angelina being named an honorary dame because even though it's a Gawker Media site, you know they're pretty cool. Um, Despite their their association with Gawker Media, but like I'm I'm looking at this uh, this SeattlePI.com site, and and yeah, I, I'm afraid I can't recommend that you go there. Uh, but the um, ABC News reports that Angelina Jolie has become an honorary dame of the British Empire. Their article begins, and I'm I'm counting uh, one leaderboard, two leaderboard ads. Those are the the uh, 720, 720 by ninety ones. One, two. Three, four, five, five rectangle ads in the sidebar and a uh, what is it? Which one is it? Tabula or Outbrain? And the Outbrain sponsored content widget, uh, including. Plus, it plays a video with sound when you go to it, whether oh, you want it to God. or not, which is just so freaking ridiculous. <laughs> I just can't stop, can't stop thinking about record keeping, guys. I mean, like you know, I was like, you know, Guinness talking about Guinness earlier, and I was well, like, so you, know, this, you know, is, is there like a, a, a CRM database that has the list of all the, um, you know, uh, dames and, and lords and knights of the British realm why? and then uh, of the of the heralds and, and whatnot? Why, Mark? There is an order of precedence of uh, order of precedence uh, of 
England and Wales, uh, which I will put a link to <laughs> in the show notes. Uh, yeah, and I was actually thinking about that uh, with respect to your earlier comment, because as we were talking about the Order of St. Michael and St. George, um, I clicked away because I go down this rat hole. Uh, you know, the, the peerage is uh, very interesting to me. Um, there is an order of precedence. And, like, can you imagine a world in which, uh, like, uh, you know, there was a stack ranking of the, the citizens of, of the realm, right? Like, where you knew exactly where you stood, like, number one through number 50, 60 million or whatever. Uh, and you knew where you were. On that list, there, there, it's it's offensive to democratic sensibilities, but there's something oddly comforting about it in in a great chain of being uh, sort of way, where where you sort of really know know your place, you know where you belong. I mean, right? we, like, we have that. It's number of Twitter followers. I, <laughs> I mean, right? I had a, if you go, you can go to my CrossFit athlete page and see where I rank among all the CrossFit athletes in the world. <laughs> it's like six hundred thousand out of. 500,000 or something. Uh-huh. Text, that, text that to me, uh, Pete, so that I can, I can put it in the show notes. Oh, great. Sure thing. <laughs> I want people getting all up in my personal stuff. Yeah, sure. No, I'll send it. I'll send it. It's a public website. Let's see. So, yeah. So, um, uh, should we take this out of the oven? Or are we, uh, we going to let it broil for a bit more? Is that, is that, is that something that, uh, that you get uh, when you sign up for the franchise and, and pay dues back to the crossfit mothership that you get uh you get your people uh listed on the uh on the global website no 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 to get listed on the global website for the games you just have to enter the games which costs like 20 bucks or something i see 10 10 20 dollars oh i see so it's it's something it's something uh it's something you hold in your own right uh not because you are uh, a member uh of the order a knight of the order of commonwealth crossfit no, I myself am a sovereign CrossFitter. <laughs> I do not owe my sovereignty to like the the crown royal of Commonwealth CrossFit. And yeah, I mean that's a, that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting thing, right? Because isn't isn't that word like a registered trademark or something? Uh, yeah, I mean I couldn't necessarily call myself a CrossFitter. It's not the title I would have. I think the title I would have is uh, disposable <laughs> incomer. Or something yeah, like exactly. That. <laughs> it, uh, oh, not don't not swing jumper rope, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Rope jumper, not not wad killer. Wad killer. That's that is that is not a ti- a title of peerage. That is a T-shirt. <laughs> uh. um, all right. Uh, let's take, let's take this one out of the oven. Ding. Moving on. Uh, so apparently, uh, it's summer now. It's not, it's actually not quite summer. It's not a, uh, (laughs) it's not summer for another six days, but, uh, uh, and it's, it's my birthday in four days, you guys, three days, if you're listening to this on Monday. And, um, so, uh, all the the music uh the the big the big musical acts are going out on their their summer tours um we've actually never talked about like going to concerts or or like summer tours as a phenomenon we've we've before done summer movie uh, podcasts back when summer movies were exciting or maybe when we were excited about them um but we've never really talked about uh we never really talked about the big uh you know the big stadium filling musical acts who go out on tour so i guess the the um which is uh, ironic because we all met at a state when we participated in a stadium filling musical act. 
<laughs> oh, well, it depends on your definition of filling. But. Yeah, filling and stadium and musical, yes. <laughs> As marching bands are known to be. Anyway, continue, Matt. Oh, I thought it was, uh, I thought you were referring to that time we all went to the Kiss Aerosmith uh, the Kiss Aerosmith. Oh yeah, that was on my mind as well too. No, yeah. I didn't get. To, I didn't go to the Smith, the Kiss Aerosmith. I only heard about the Kiss Aerosmith concert secondhand, but it sounded glorious in uh, north of Hartford. Um, so the big one this uh, the big one this year is apparently uh, Jay Z and Beyonce together on the road in the Mr. and Mrs. Carter's on the Run tour. Uh, either of you guys headed to that one? I mean, it sold out very, very, very fast. And I think one of the, the, I mean, so I'm not going, but I have a number of friends who are going, and I'm quite excited for them. Mark, are you going? And unfortunately, no. I really ought to be, but no, I've got nothing. Like, what, on what grounds ought you to be? Like, what is the normative claim that is saying that you ought to be going to the Jay-Z and Beyonce concert? Uh, because I enjoy the music of said artist Jay-Z and Beyonce. Um, so, so you think it would be, it, the, the ought is that the act would bring you greater pleasure than the pain associated with its cost, and as such, it should be a moral imperative for you to go? Uh, if you put it that way, sure. Yes, let's go. But then what, why, why didn't you go? Why aren't you going? Uh, you know, just, just, just missed the boat. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> you know, the, the so, so, okay, so let's do some lot. more math. So, the, so the, the pleasure of you going to the Jay-Z Beyonce concert is greater than the pain associated with the price of the tickets, such that you ought to be going to it. It ought to be, it would be a positive exchange for you. However, the pain of actually bothering to get to, to not only get tickets, but also to keep the idea of this concert you know, front of mind for a sufficient amount of time makes up the gap, was what you're saying, between the sort of, well, ple- pain is the wrong word, but pleasure and kind of like non-pleasure or sort of pleasure offset. So, so the price of the tickets plus the price of giving a crap about it. But that, I mean, to, be, to be more particular, to be more particular, like the going, jumping through the hoops to actually get the tickets, because as you mentioned, Pete, this is the sort of thing that uh, probably sold out in a heartbeat. Right. Um, I mean, like, um, uh, you can imagine me being someone who has, like, a Google alert for Springsteen, right? Or, like, you know, I've, I've done this before. You know, like, at other concerts, I, I set, you know, a calendar thing and coordinate uh, uh, for when the tickets go on sale, like, coordinate with other friends, and you're sort of refreshing the Ticketmaster thing and just rolling your dice and hoping you get the things. I mean, that that's kind of the, uh, the level of commitment this would have required. Um, but um, the, you know, to the sort of that cost-benefit <laughs> calculation you were referring to earlier, it just didn't work out to uh, to go through that trouble for this. Matt, what were you saying? Well, I, I was about to say, Pete, that there's like, the, I, I think that that sort of utilitarian, the, the you know, calculus of pain and pleasure, it's actually insufficient, insufficient to deal with um, buying concert tickets, right? Because for, for non-essential things, there's, there is an additional dimension of urgency, right? Where, where uh, even things that you should do, if they are non-essential um, to, you know, sustaining life and whatnot... Uh, get crowded out by by other more more urgent things. So it's not that you know I don't know. It's not that getting tickets is is too much trouble, but it's that at at the point when trouble could have been taken to get the tickets, uh, other other things uh, were sort of crowding out that task from Mark's uh, you know from Mark's sort of great uh, utilitarian inbox and and. You know, so that that sort of pain, that sort of pain pleasure thing is is maybe that that dichotomy might actually um, mask a much more complex system, which is, uh, as we say on on TFT on the TFT podcast, continuous and hyperdimensional. 
<laughs> so, but is it is it normative? Is that force in itself? What are the ethical and moral implications of our our, our uh, urgency, our commitments, the fact that we don't have the capacity, as we like to say, right? The, well, maybe not, maybe you don't like to say it, but I love to say that. Uh, no, the capacity to order the Jay Z and Beyonce tickets. If if in fact Mark really should be going to the Jay Z and Beyonce concert, then is his shortage of capacity an evil that must be battled and by what to what end like by what means right yes, like i mean should- right if you if you if if by his shortage of capacity you mean his being gainfully employed then yes that is an evil that that must be guys, guys let's get down the brass tacks here i'm a terrible husband I mean, my wife would have really enjoyed going to see Jay-Z and Beyonce, but I don't love her enough to have bothered to, you know, go through the, <laughs> and go through the trouble of getting these tickets. All right, so, that's okay. really what this is about. So, okay. Mark, what, does the moral calculus change if we're talking about the Drake versus Lil Wayne concert tour that was announced today? Um, or yesterday? Because well, Drake yes. and Lil Wayne are going on a concert tour together, which is yes, also... Yes, because then you have to factor in the morality of Drake and Lil Wayne killing each other every night. Yeah. <laughs> versus versus if you guys haven't seen this it's like they have a logo design right out of street fighter and i really hope that it implies that drake and little wayne are going to engage in fisticuffs or in some sort of i get presumably they'll rap battle each other that's what the picture seems to imply is that they'll rap battle each other as part of the show or that they'll have you know kind of staging that sets them up as competitors and maybe they'll be like maybe the shredder will show up and they'll have to team up and sing a song about tubing or something oh Uh, goodness gracious right if they just had the uh, if they just had the yellow to red gradient Dianu, right? If they had, <laughs> if they had the fiery letters Dianu, this is a fantastic logo. We're gonna I'm gonna link yeah. to this. You know, uh, I, I think it's just gonna wind up um, you know setting up an SNES emulator and playing Street Fighter against each other on an enormous screen. Oh, that would be really awesome. Do you think <laughs> that I think that Drake uses Dalsim? I don't know why. I think well because he spits fire, right? Boom. That's a line from a rap that would be a good one if one were to need one. If Drake, if you, you mean, mean yoga, you mean yoga flame, yoga fire, yoga, yoga flame, fire. bring the pain in this house of shame. Blanca's electricity. I know, so who's Little Wayne then? I mean, I, I'm afraid I don't know enough about Little Wayne or Street Fighter too. Oh, uh, Little Wayne is Little Wayne just Blanca because he just goes ah 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 and then shoots electricity out of his face, uh, or is he is he E Honda who does the same thing? No, if li- li- Little Wayne is, it looks the most like Dalsim of rappers today, I believe, uh, and that he's kind of. I mean, he's he's a bit more built than when he was a little little child, but he's still like a little bit gangly, and rappers tend to be kind of thick set. Uh, he does have long hair, maybe Vega. I, I, I'm sorry, maybe uh, um, Balrog in the pre-Japanese version, Vega with the claws, perhaps. I this is, um, if we were more like uh, BuzzFeed or any other sites that we were writing on earlier, Gawker Media uh, property, uh, this would be a really easy post for us to do, right? Mapping rappers to Street Fighter characters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, think, I think so. Actually, guys, do we want to do a topic today on Clickhole, by the way? Because Clickhole came out this week. Yeah, that was... Uh... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Did you see that I tweeted about it uh, in my Twitter? Uh, I did not see that you tweeted about it in your Twitter, but if you were to tell me about the tweet that you quote in your Twitter. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, hey guys, we we have Twitters, right? Um, 
That's good, yeah, yes, right? we do. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what's your tweet? Oh, I tweeted it from Overthinking It, so you can follow the site at uh, at Overthinking It. Uh, but I know that that uh, Fenzel is at Fenzelian. Mark Lee is. Uh, at goes to 12 and I am at M rather, uh, you know, in case you feel like following us on the Twitter, because we are very, uh, uh, we are, you know, prolific Twitterers in, in our own right. And those links are always in every show notes. Um, so I, I tweeted, uh, I want to hit click hole, but which hungry, hungry hippo are you? Sounds like a really great, great quiz. Yeah. So it's because, okay, so our, my feelings, my own feelings about ClickHole, as I believe yours too, are probably a little complicated because we launched something very similar as our April Fool's Day joke this yes. year, yes, which indeed. was a buzzer feeding it, which was our own set of BuzzFeed parody articles. And they were pretty good. And we had, and we had the good, uh, which whatever you want are you quiz that had 50 different answers that were all absurd, <laughs> uh, except for Daenerys, which is what, you know, all of you are because you're proud mothers of dragons. Uh, and then we had, you know, we had a bunch of fun stuff, right? We had the GIFs about Dubliners. We had uh, the ones that were biggest hits were the gifs about complex philosophical questions, right? Or like <laughs> literature or literature, right? Like Ty Ryan's article about Thomas Hobbes and Shane. Was that Shane who wrote about Dubliners with gifs, or is that somebody else? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, so it's like those were, and of course it's funny because the people who repost them. I don't get the sense from the repost that they're ironic at all. That it's just, and that's sort of the sense that I get from Clickhole, which is the Onions parody of BuzzFeed, which they launched this week, and which they appear to be in for the long haul on, right? Like, this thing appears to not be a one-day thing that's going to keep going pretty much every day all the time. No, there's a and, lot of, yeah, there's a lot of engineering in this, in this website. Uh, yeah, wow. I mean, I'm just saying. Can you unpack that? What do you mean by there's a lot of engineers? Oh, uh, this, is, this is not a trivial effort in, in uh, website design or, or building. This is not a tiny build-out uh, of, like, a joke site like Buzzer Thinking It was, which is basically a skin laid over, you know, a normal overthinking it page. This is, uh, it does seem like this is, this is here for the long haul. So it gets at this, I mean, it gets at this, like, I, I, to, to what extent are you making fun of BuzzFeed if you are buzz if you are for all intents and purposes buzzfeed well yeah well i think i think that that goes in two directions one would be the (laughs) as opposed to one direction who are on tour this summer with the uh uh Jeez, the where we are, the where we are tour. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I I kept stopping you. I kept wanting to. The joke was over, and you were trying to edit, and I I kept uh, I kept humping that one piano key. It's my it's my hubris, Pete. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's my tragic flaw (laughs) that I just I just keep humping the joke until it's over. uh, Yeah, I mean that's the joke ain't over till it's over, and that's kind of by definition. You're gonna hump the joke till it's done. Um, so, so that I hole. just stay on that joke. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. So I'm done for. Hole. You could either say, "Well, clickhole is an insincere commitment to its premise," because people post clickhole story, like, and I could sort of we could sort of bash clickhole for some degree of dishonesty in its approach, because people post. Uh, Clickhole stories because they offer indistinguishable satisfaction from BuzzFeed stories, right? Like you get the same pleasure from sharing a clickhole story that you get from sharing a BuzzFeed story and sort of calling back to what we we're talking about earlier, whether or not it's true <laughs> or plausible. You know, like the article, five movie scenes that were actually fake, right? Which is their top story <laughs> right now, which is great, you know, because it's like all, all movie scenes are fake. Uh, <laughs> that's the joke. Um, but it's like, oh, I read that and I feel the same sort of vague 
sense of interest. So much of the draw of BuzzFeed is sort of quick discursive tricks, quick tricks of persuasion, you know, things that only work on a very instant sort of level to try to get you engaged and pull you into the story, which is why they use the same sort of semantic things over and over and over again, right? And so, and if ClickHole provides them, then, and you provide them, and you share it, and people share it, and you get the approval of other people sharing the thing, and you get the cool picture in your Facebook, and everybody's happy, then awesome, right? Like, then then ClickHole is the demon, like, ClickHole didn't just go into the cave and cut off Darth Vader's face, right? Like, ClickHole went into the cave wearing a Darth Vader mask. Right. <laughs> like That's sort of what clickbait... Now, the other side, of course, is that The Onion in general, and you can sort of, if you read The Onion a lot or you listen to The Onion a lot, has like a deep well of just despairing existential dread associated with it. That like everything we do is meaningless, right? Like, and, and, and like a lot of their jokes are like, this is meaningless, right? Um, you know, like, and, and so... The, the quiz, the onion quiz, is your dad proud of you, right? Which is, which is a, a clickhole. It's a clickhole quiz available right now where all the questions give you three options. And the fourth option is a fact about the life of Pete Rose right, or his baseball career. And I've never actually answered uh, – if you answer – all of the Pete Rose answers, then your dad is proud of you. But if you answer anything else, then he's not proud of you, right? Um, so this idea that um, what you said before, that principle, the headline says, is your dad proud of you? Well, Matt, what's the name of the principle again? Uh, Betteridge's Law of Headlines. So according to Betteridge's Law of Headlines, we know, right, that the answer to this question is no, your dad is not proud of you. Happy Father's Day, everybody, by the way. <laughs> Um, and that's the that's the joke, right? Which is that you're taking the quiz because you have this anxiety or dread that your father isn't proud of you, and you want the quiz to affirm this idea, right? And or you either want the quiz to affirm this idea, or perhaps even more darkly, to reaffirm you in your own despair and frustration. You're seeking to sort of reenact your own abandonment fantasies or what have you, right? Like, and that's that's going on also. And then the joke here is like, well, if you're not Pete Rose. Right. If you're Pete Rose, then your dad's proud of you, which sort of parodies the whole idea of dad pride in the first place by associating it not just with baseball, but with this like very specific disgraced baseball player as if he had never been disgraced. Right. Um, so it's like, OK, so, yes, The Onion is just like BuzzFeed or ClickHole is just like BuzzFeed uh, in the sense that like the things that BuzzFeed is, are doing that make BuzzFeed closer to the truth than ClickHole are meaningless. But at the same time, a big part of the sort of humor of The Onion in general is how a lot of this stuff is meaningless, right? And it's kind of like – and that's kind of the joke that they're making, right? So uh, that kind of also reinforces the idea that it actually is a joke as opposed to that it's a sort of – pretending to be a joke but actually sort of a sincere competitor right you know who I mean, else was a proud father who Laius. <laughs> <laughs> well okay let me ask you guys about this then because this came up uh this comes up to me a lot because i'm a director of a comedy troupe right an improv comedy troupe and, and we talk about jokes a lot so one of the the things that happens in jokes uh, or at least in sort of in sort of uh, parody or imitation of some kind for comedic effect, is you often feel the impulse, or I often feel the impulse, or I direct people to pursue the impulse to throw something into the thing that says that it's a joke, and that makes it really really clear that what you're looking at is a joke. In the "Is Your Dad Proud of You" quiz, it's the reference to Pete Rose, right? Which you say fairly early on to like clue people into the idea that this is weird. There's a weird thing that's happening here. This isn't just a normal thing, right? Like, uh, like, and that's that's sort of like the the jokiness of it. I mean, do you guys know what I'm talking about? This sort of sure, yeah, 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 yeah. 
I mean, can we come up with a with a term for it? I guess what like um, the I'm kidding. It's it's the opposite of uh, a complete deadpan, straight face delivery of a joke, right? Right, right, right. So I guess it's a live pan, right? Huh. If, a deadpan, if a deadpan is when you just sort of say it without changing your emotion, then a live pan is when you're like, uh, uh, huh? Well, and again, an example dealing with clickhole is they have a video, what this adorable little girl says will melt your heart, and it has an absurd picture of a girl with pigtails, of an African-American girl with pigtails and a pink sweater, and I couldn't get it to load on my phone, like the video, so I just sort of thought that that was the whole thing. It was just a picture and the headline, what this adorable little girl says will melt your heart, <laughs> right? And there's no live pan in that. There's no, hey, this is a joke in that, right? It's just like we're just sort of making fun of, of this these websites that are pretending to show you heartwarming little girls but are really trying to, like, show you ads for millennial wine clubs, right, or what have you. Um, Speaking of which, guys, have you seen these ads for these millennial wine clubs? I think we're too old to join them. <laughs> Guys, I don't know about you, but millennials are drinking so much wine that they're changing how it's being sold. Do you guys heard that? I, I think there's one. I, I, I know. I, I've seen that ad all over the web, and it's driving me crazy. And I, I actually really want to know what's behind it, but I cannot bring myself to click. It's a wine club. Yeah. Go there and you buy wine in the club. That's all right. It is. It's a, oh, so that's that's why uh, that's that's why millennials are changing the way. Yeah. It's a, it, right. It's a subscription, right? Like yeah. you you sign up and give them your credit card number, and then wine shows up, and then you can't cancel it. It's like proactive, but for booze. Yeah. <laughs> It is admirable. It is interesting that Clickhole doesn't do those ads, which is interesting. Like I'm looking at them right now. I don't see them. Oh, I maybe I mean maybe I have ad blocker on this one. But it's uh, but Clickhole could do those ads, right? Like I'm wondering, does the Onion do them? No, the Onion does not do them. The Onion does do news from around the web sometimes, but uh, the Onion doesn't have the like millennial wine club ads. Unfortunately, uh, I think AV Club does, though. AV Club. Yeah, AV Club does have them. That's right. That's where I've seen them before. Yeah, they're, they're the worst. I mean, I'll, I'll probably – this was probably hubris, but I, I once called out on my own personal Twitter that, like, I will never put those on overthinking it because they are so um, – they're so uh, reprehensible. Uh, but, I mean, you know, it's not like they're advertising a verse. The whole thing has a, like, uh, run-of-site-like takeover from, from beef jerky on, on ClickHole. And they have, a, you know, they have a page wrap with a, um, with a big thing and a bunch of, uh, bunch of medium rectangle ads and a, a couple, uh, couple leaderboard ads, right? Like, so they're not advertising a verse here let's view source and see what else they're see what else they're putting on oh hey ha, easter egg view source on clickhole and and scroll down a, a little ways um <laughs> guys i hear that millennials are eating so much beef jerky it's changing the way it's sold. are you talking about the ascii logo that's yeah on there? that's yeah. that's funny i'm just saying overthinking it was doing that before it was cool easter egg but uh Another yeah. way of saying that is we were doing a thing that wasn't cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tom no, that score, is quant, cast, Do we have lots of Easter eggs like, in, our, in our source code? Uh, no, just the one. Oh, okay. Just okay. the ASCII art logo. I, I figure uh, it's been there for like, uh, it's been there since, what, 2012. So I figure it's time, if you haven't seen it yet, um, you know, you missed, you missed your chance to, to stumble on it. Uh, My improv team site has a cool <laughs> Easter egg in it. It has, it has a Nami code Easter egg that nobody will ever find. 
which leads to like long informational video. <laughs> uh, I just am, I'm looking at a touching pics of celebrities and their dads, which is a picture of a lot of celebrities with Patrick Stewart. Yes, yes, <laughs> Sir Patrick. This is really this is really very funny. So for reference, right? For reference, Patrick Stewart is is at, of the order of the British Empire, which is a a higher. I think that is. It's safe to say that's a more prestigious. Uh, that's a more prestigious um, order to be part of than the Order of Saint George, right? Yeah, being um, being an OBE. Uh, yeah, yeah. Although wait, it says it's the most junior and most populous order of chivalry in the British and other Commonwealth honor systems. Oh, maybe it isn't. Maybe the Order of Saint George is more prestigious than the Order of the British Empire. But being the open OBE is like a big deal, right, Matt? I thought so, but yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. Interesting. Oh, because maybe because Patrick Stewart won it for the arts, and Angelina Jolie didn't win it for the arts, but won it for like foreign policy and humanitarian. There are also aren't there? Um, there are different levels. Uh, of of the order of the british empire so you can be like a uh uh you can be a um uh officer of the most excellent order of the british empire we need a we need a chivalric yeah we can be a most oh that's fantastic (laughs) (laughs) uh and i think they mean it i think they mean it not in the bill and ted sense they they mean it in the sense that um uh, that these people excel or have excelled at things. Uh, we need an order of chivalry for overthinking it. Ooh, that's a good one. Should we brainstorm it in the comments or come up with it like right now? Yeah, no, no, no. I, th- I think I think we should brainstorm it in the comments and and uh, we'll establish it and we can start giving out. Um, uh, we can start, uh, you know, giving out. What do you give out? Membership peerages in the uh, in the most. We, we, yeah. What, well, you you do you deem them. How do you how do you award someone a title? What's the word? Like Don't you, you dub, dub them. Dub them. You dub them. Something? We can have dubbing over overthinking it. Dubbing or isn't it? Or isn't it like a, it's it's called an investiture? Isn't it? Investiture. Okay. Over investituring it. I know. <laughs> over investing it. That's hey. There are a lot of uh, crappy websites about about that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Speaking of hubris, uh, uh, oh, it is the most junior and populous. All right, what are the other? What are the other orders of chivalry? Uh, the um, officer. Oh, okay. Okay, so you can be uh, you can be a member of the most excellent order. You can be an officer, a commander, a CBE, uh, mm-hmm. a knight commander, or dame commander. Uh, or a which is KBE or DBE, uh, or a Knight Grand Cross or Dame Grand Cross of the most excellent order of the British Empire. So uh, there you go. Um, there you go. Uh, honor- <laughs> <laughs> do you think that that might be a little bit of a hub? If you actually went around styling yourself like that, do you think that like something would be destined to fall on you, like a? brick or something like is that is there, is there anything more hubraic that you can do than go around saying hello my name is uh peter fenzel uh hi i'm i'm a i'm a, a grand knight of the most excellent order of the british empire <laughs> like geez this is or, why this is why it projects fail so often is because um those project managers are adding comma pmp after their name huh anyone project management professional oh pff, the <laughs> <has failed. laughs> oh uh, man 
You know, I like, uh, yeah, I don't know. In software development, like there are a lot of scrum masters, which just sounds dirty. Um, all right. We should probably leave it there. Bam. That was, that was the, uh, that was the, uh, take it out of the oven rapid fire, uh, episode of, uh, the overthinking a podcast. So if you want to, uh, weigh in on any of the many topics, uh, that we talked about, you can email the email that no one ever emails. No, that's not true. We, we did a whole listener feedback show recently. Uh, you can email podcast at overthinking com. You can call or text 203-285-6401, or you can uh, engage with other overthinkers, other members of the chivalric, heraldric, uh, most excellent uh, order of the overthinkers in the show notes on this episode. This podcast will be back next week. Uh, just a couple, uh, couple uh, things that are coming up this week. The final recap in the uh, Game of Thrones recaps uh, drops tomorrow. Pete, you'll be hosting that uh, because you're the greatest podcast host, recap host in the entire world uh, that the mind of man has yet conceived or could conceive. Uh, how uh, uh, how are you? Are you looking forward to that podcast, Morgulis? <laughs> and uh, we're uh, also the uh, twenty-four recap. Twenty-four live another day is being recapped in real time by uh, Pete, by Pete and Ryan. And I understand that the most recent episode ended with a uh, ended with a cliffhanger. Oh yeah, every episode ends with a cliffhanger. <laughs> it's like pretty much our promise to you. By the way, if you're not watching twenty-four live another day. You are missing out. That show is great. You don't really have to listen to our recap of it, but this show is just so much fun. So it's so great to have it back. It's, and I just I get the sense from the sort of general lack of traction I get in casual conversation that there are a lot of people who would really like the show who aren't watching it. So I just want to ask you to look at the moral calculus yourself and determine whether this is an ought question for you, whether you ought to be making the investment or whether your opportunity yeah, costs yeah, are listen, overwhelming your moral imperative. Be a better husband than I am. <laughs> Watch this with your wife, okay? That's what I'm saying. Your wife will thank you. And uh, more coming up on, uh, on Overthinking It. This podcast will be back next week. Uh, for that and more, you can visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject popular culture to a level of scrutiny it, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. The ancient Skrillexes used to say, pride goeth before a drop. I think it's the uh, the the most excellent horsest order of Harvey Fierstein. <laughs>